0: Welcome to the first edition of Rewind the Podcast. My name is Lee and I'll be asking my guests to rewind time and tell us about their inspirational and epic journey that got them to where they are today. Hi guys, this is the first episode of Rewind the Podcast. First episode will be with Joseph Mansell. Joe, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Lee, pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I'm... Well, I'm 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 your uh, podcast debut, so you I'm are. the first person on on your show, and I uh, I feel uh, very privileged and very honoured that you reached out to me and you know wanted me to be the first guest on your show. So I just want to start off by saying a big thank you. Welcome. Uh, to, int- to introduce myself a little bit for the the listeners and the viewers who uh, who don't know who I am, and I'm sure most of them probably don't know who I am. My name is Joseph Menzel, as you mentioned. Uh, I am the CEO of a couple of companies. Uh, the first one is Massive Joe's, which is a primarily a supplement company based in Australia. So I'm recording at the moment from the boardroom in Massive Joe's headquarters in Adelaide, South Australia. Uh, so I, I uh, founded, run, operate, and then chief executive officer and managing director of that company. I also run an apparel company called TMJ Apparel. Uh, I'm also the IFBB Pro League promoter here in South Australia, and I'm also an IFBB Pro Men's Physique athlete. So a whole bunch of different things, mainly in the in the fitness realm. Um, but you know, one of the things I, I I kind of uh, um, I guess uh, coined myself as is, is fitness times business. So I do a lot in fitness, I do a lot in business, um, and the business side of, of what I do is within the fitness realm as well.
0: Okay, okay, that's good. So a lot of people, like you said, will know you probably from YouTube um, for Massive Joes. Um, yep. So for this episode, I want to base it just on the bodybuilding side. So as yep. we're going to be calling it, it's going to be called the the Road to Pro Status. Mm-hmm. So before we get into it, uh, just want to see how everybody is at uh, the Massive Joes family. How is everybody getting on?
1: Everyone's good, man. Everyone's doing good. 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 You know, as good as everything can be, we're recording this you know, uh, in the, I'm going to say the middle, I hope it's the middle um, or, you know, towards the second half at least of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but you know, where everyone's happy, everyone's healthy, everyone's still loving what they do. It's changed a little bit, you know, the way that we do the things that we do as as most industries have during this pandemic, but yeah. everyone's good, man. Thank you for asking.
0: Good, good, no worries, no worries. So one person who I admired, in the past at massive joe's was big neve and small what's going on yeah. with them i've not seen them knocking yeah. around on social media for a while
1: yeah i don't know i think you'd have to hit them up and say what do you do <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, it's one of those things though man like you know when you when you work within a company and a company culture and an environment where social media is such a big part of what we do yeah. uh you, you you i guess you're kind of um influenced in a way to to use social media more than you otherwise would. And if you're kind of removed or, or move away from that company, that culture and that environment, your incentive to use social media kind of goes away with it. So I guess yeah, that's probably yeah. why you haven't seen Neve and, and Swell, you know, on socials like you used to. And a lot of what they used to do was Massive Joes related as well. So you'd see him on the Massive Joes Snapchat, Massive Joes Instagram, Massive Joes yeah. YouTube channel, yeah. you know, so a lot of that was was company related content also.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Talking of Big Neve, um, th- so we, I know that you used to do uh, a day in the life of Massive Joe's yeah. or yourself, yeah. or Neve yeah. did one, and I think Swallbait might have done one. Uh, the yeah. last one that he did was back on March 2016, and if memory serves me right, it was when Neve was asleep under the desk.
1: Yeah. It might have been. Might have been. That's a good memory. That's like that's yeah. almost five years ago now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah.
0: so just tell us what's a day in your life been for you like today? What have you been up to?
1: Yeah, man, like my um uh, definitely a lot different than it was five years ago, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know and, and to be honest with you, significantly different than it was twelve months ago. I've made a lot of changes to what I, uh, you know, what my daily routine looks like in, in the last 12 months, primarily, you know, not just because of the the COVID-19 pandemic, which I think has altered a lot, a lot of the way that we live our lives, yeah. but I made some pretty fundamental changes in the way I was structuring my days um, towards the end of last year, which ties into the topic of this this episode, which is the, you know, my, my pro status. And I was preparing at the time for my pro debut at the Arnold Classic Australia. Yeah. But my, a typical day for me at the moment looks kind of like this. I get up between 4 and 4.30 every morning. I do my morning routine, which is pretty much a mental health routine. So I do gratitude journaling, affirmations, um, a whole bunch of uh, you know, mental health practices that are part of the first thing I do every time when I wake up in the morning. Yeah. Uh, I then have my pre-workout meal, head to the gym. I train from 5.30 till about 7 a.m. I do some cardio go back to my house, get stuck into work. Um, My work days have have been looking kind of like this at the moment is I'll usually work most of the morning from home. Um, And a lot of the staff here at Massive Joes are spending a lot of time working from home at the moment with COVID restrictions and whatnot. So I'll spend usually the morning working from home, coming to the office, usually between 11 a.m. and and 12 noon, work until 7, 7. 7.30 p.m., head back home, Grab my dinner, spend some time with my partner, get to bed, and repeat.
0: Eat, <laughs> sleep, repeat. Yep. So, uh, at the minute, you're just saying about you know you get up and you go and train and stuff. So, what's your daily ritual, supplements intake at the minute?
1: Man, it's, uh, it's extensive. I won't go into the details of the exact supplements because I'll yeah. take up the, you know, the remaining 45 minutes of this podcast uh, <laughs> just, just in the finer details. But the way I supplement at the moment is, uh, and this ties into the way my days are structured as well, is my first supplements are effectively my pre-workout supplements because I wake up, you know, do my morning routine, have my pre-workout meal, and then i have my pre-workout supplements. So those are kind of tailored around uh performance-based supplementation making sure that i'm you know performing the best i can uh during my workouts we're talking about pre-workouts talking about laxagenin we're talking about nitric oxide boosters hormone control supplements then i have my intra-workout supplements which uh, which are um, branched-chain amino acids and carbohydrates I have my post-workout supplements, which is part of my post-workout meal. Then I have my morning supplementation regime after my post-workout meal, which are my vitamins, my minerals, my organ health supplements, the kind of general health, you know, uh, full spectrum general health um, supplements. So you're talking about, you know, vitamin C's, fish oils, vitamin B's um, uh, uh, green supplements, red supplements. So I take all of those at that point. Um, during the day, pretty much the only supplements I take, are um, branched chain amino acids. So core, I will mention a particular product core ABC, um, is my during the day. And I have that during, uh, and in between meals as well. Yeah. And then the last supplement I take is my my sleep support. So just okay. before I go to bed, um, I'm taking a product at the moment called Force Element Night Ops, which is a, a great sleep support supplement, at least in Australia, because we have so many restrictions on ingredients that we can and can't use. Um, but that's the best one on the market at the moment. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, from start to finish what my supplementation
0: regime looks like. So there's a lot going in then? There is, yeah. I have, <laughs> you know,
1: one of the perks of the business, man, is I have access to a lot of supplements. Test supplement, everything. Test so, if you have them, why, why not use them? You know what Correct. I'm saying?
0: So, uh, well, I would. I mean, I've got yeah. a few over here, but... I can see. Near it. As I can see in got. And then
1: there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Uh, so, you know, in the words of the bodybuilding great, Ronnie Coleman, ain't nothing to it but to do it, mate. Let's get yep. started. So, within the sports industry, where did it all start for you? Um, you know, getting involved in sports and competitive sports?
1: Yeah so i um I started uh, with basketball when I was really young so basketball when i when I was you know a, a, a kid say less than ten years old, I was always very active, so I was always interested in, I was like interested in riding bikes, um, rollerblading, playing australian rules football playing but like you know any sport i, I could I could play i would play i 've always kind of been interested in um, you know being active and being athletic right back from you know my earliest childhood memories were. Yeah. Doing things outside effectively. yeah. Um, and then I guess the first sport that really piqued my interest was basketball. And so I started playing competitive basketball in the under 12s, which is like the youngest you can play. I think I must have been nine or 10 years old at the time when I first started, started playing competitively. And I played basketball for, from that right up until my late teens. So yeah. I finished my basketball journey just before I turned 19 years old and it ended because of uh, um, an injury, stress fractures in my lower back. And over that time I, I was quite a good basketballer. So I played in state teams. I played for the Australian national team. I was um, uh, in part of a squad to play in the the uh, NBL here in Australia, which is like the Australian version of the NBA. Um, and so I got quite good at basketball, but, Ended because of the, um, the the injuries, the stress fractures. But one of the cool things about uh, how I developed as a basketballer, I was involved in the Institute of Sport here in Australia, and a big part of that was strength and conditioning. So spending time in the gym, building your body, building strength to make you a better basketballer. So you know, really performance-based strength and conditioning. And I think a lot of a lot of athletes or previous athletes will relate that. When you're an athlete in a performance-based competitive sport, the gym is very polarizing. There's athletes that really love it and just really love the strength and conditioning, really love the weight training. And on the other side, there's athletes that just absolutely hate it. They can't see the point. They hate lifting weights. All they want to do is play the sport that that they're trying to get better at playing or trying to increase performance in playing. I was the former, so I really enjoyed – you know, lifting weights, seeing my strength develop, seeing my physique change, building muscle. I, I, I really took to it. So when my basketball journey ended as an 18, almost 19 year old, I started spending more and more time in the gym, just, just lifting weights. It was really all I could do with my injury because it was stress fractures in my lower back. I couldn't do anything that was high impact. So I, you know, it was kind of the only thing physically that I could do was was lift weights because it's low impact, it's controlled, and um, I didn't have a problem with it because I was like, well, you know, I enjoyed this. You know, from a basketball perspective, I could only really spend three months of the year lifting weights because then the other nine months was playing basketball, and you didn't get a chance to be in caloric surplus and grow. You were just trying to, you're just playing basketball, man. Like every single day, every weekend, playing basketball. And so I kind of looked at it as an opportunity because I was like, well, let's see what I can do. Let's see, you know, what, what can I do with my physique? How strong can I get? How much muscle can I build? Um, you know, let's just, let's just see what happens. And so I started spending more and more time in the gym and pretty quickly my, you know, the one thing that I really missed from competitive sports, from basketball, was the competition you know so it's one thing to go from playing basketball games every weekend and and having that that competitive fire be stoked to just lifting weights in the gym and not really having any competitive outlet yeah and so i started doing some research and i was like well you know what can i do competitively with this weightlifting and it was you know powerlifting or bodybuilding those are kind of the two options yeah and i'd always you know as a kid even um i'd always been inspired by aesthetic physiques you know Arnold Schwarzenegger I think you know yeah. anyone who was born in the 80s uh, or younger was uh, or or earlier sorry so so older you know was inspired by the aesthetic physique of, of Arnold and those kind of golden era, era bodybuilders and so I thought well you know let's let's try this bodybuilding thing man let's give it yeah. a shot and so this is uh, just to kind of set set the time period so this is 2004 okay. and this is bodybuilding back then was not like it is now like the you know there the bodybuilding shows you would have 10 competitors not hundreds of competitors yeah. you would have 50 people in the crowd not 500 people in the crowd it was very very uh you know underground very niche uh, and and nowhere near as as commonplace and as popular as as it is now. Yeah. But I did some research and I, you know, I found this local bodybuilding competition, natural bodybuilding competition, and I, I trained for it and I entered it as a as a 19-year-old um, in the junior division and I did quite well. I won my first competition and I just I just got the bug, man. I was just <laughs> like man, this is I just absolute you know the the I really enjoyed my first prep the just seeing how far I could push my body and push my mind and trying to see where that limit was how you know like how 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 shredded can I get how much can I push myself physically how much can I push myself when my my body is screaming at me to feed it but I know I can't eat because I'm in caloric deficit and I'm trying to lose the body fat to get in stage condition you know how how can I Deal with that situation, and I just absolutely loved the challenge, and fell in love with the prepping side of bodybuilding, and so I caught the bug, <laughs> and so I did the I did um, 2000 and I might I might get the, the years here mixed up because it's a long time ago now, <laughs> then. Uh, but I did uh, 2004, 2005, 2006, and then I uh, I think 2007 because then I went from the junior, sorry, the teenage division to the junior division to the open division. Yeah. And so I th- I'm pretty sure it was 2007 when I, when I was too old to compete in the age-based divisions and went up to the opens and competing, you know, at the time I was in my early twenties and I'm competing at guys who are 10, 15 years older than me in the opens. And they were just big dudes, man. They were just big wow. dudes in, in, in bodybuilding. Um, and back then there was, no, there was no men's physique, right? There was no men's physique, there was no fitness it was bodybuilding. That was it. There was no other division. It was bodybuilding. And they probably and had a so, few
0: bodybuilding years on you as well.
1: Between, well, that's what I'm saying. Guys. Yeah. So,
0: More experience.
1: yeah. So, so 2007, and then I took a bunch of time off because I just needed time to grow. So I think I took like three or four years off just to really give myself, you know, a three or four year off season in caloric surplus to build the mass that I needed to be competitive in the open divisions. And then I came back and I competed, I think it was like two or three years in a row then. Um, and I kind of reached you know I'd, I'd won state championships and, and kind of got to national overall championships. And I reached a, a pretty much a glass ceiling because for, for my height, I'm quite tall for a bodybuilder so I'm six, six foot two. And what would happen was I would I would win my height classes, And then go into overalls and the overalls are like the winners of all the height classes compete against each other for the overall title. And so I go in and I compete against guys who were six inches shorter, a foot shorter, uh, and in bodybuilding being shorter for the most part is a huge advantage because you're able to fill out your frame much easier. So I just found like, I just couldn't compete with these smaller guys. I was, you know, genetically, I was just not where I needed to be. I was too tall, too tall. Um, couldn't build the sort of mass that I needed to build as a, as a natural bodybuilder to be competitive. And so I, I pretty much kind of turned my back on the sport at that point. This is the, in the early nice. 2010s. Yeah. I, uh, because I was just like, you know, what am I, what am, what am I doing at this point? I'm never going to be able to compete with these guys. Um, you know, it, it, it was just the, it was just the nature of the way the competition was set up. Didn't turn my back on bodybuilding, still love going to the gym, working on my physique, seeing the changes I could make to my physique, but kind of turned my back on bodybuilding and I was like, you know, I'm I'm not going to continue to kind of kill myself for these preps to win height classes, come up to overalls and have no chance against these smaller guys. And then a few years later in 2013 or 14, I'm going to say 14, 14, 14, 15, 16, no, 13, 2013. Um, The IFBB decided to introduce a new class of bodybuilding, which they called men's physique. Yeah. And this was, you know, for effectively for taller athletes, more athletic, more aesthetic. So, you know, bigger shoulders, smaller waists uh, and wearing board shorts instead of trunks. Funnily enough, they decided to do. And I was like, man, this is like this is perfect for me because now my height at at, you know over six foot is actually an advantage in this in this category because it allows me to have you know a more athletic look. It allows me to show off my taper. And I was like, this is my this is my shot. Like this is this is uh, you know I need to get I need to get back in the ring and start swinging again. And so. I decided at that point in 2013, I was gonna get back into the competitive side of bodybuilding and, and see what I could do with men's physique. And I, I made the, um, the goal at that point to turn pro in the IFBB. I yep. was like, I, you know, I really can do this. And so I competed um, 2014, 2015, 2016, and 2017, and kind of worked my way up over that time. So 2014, um, I didn't do so well. I don't even think I placed in, in, in the state show in 2014. 2015, I came back, um, placed in the state show, went to nationals and came second at, at the national, the Australian national competition. 2016, I won the state show, went to nationals and didn't place at nationals. 2017, I won the state show, won the national show, won the Oceania, won the overall and earned my IFBB Pro Card at the end of 2017. And uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of the the road to pro. (laughs) Well,
0: it sounds like it was a a good ride.
1: Yeah, well, it has been thus far. It has been.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just going back and you said, you know, your inspiration to get through bodybuilding and... Uh, competing side and stuff like that was the likes of yeah. you know your Arnold Schwarzenegger and and so on but yeah. what made you was it just that or was there another influence or you know what why that and why not the likes of strongman or even going into basketball coaching
1: well I did actually do some basketball coaching fairly <laughs> enough um I, I coached of all things I coached girls basketball all right um yeah. when I you know as I was kind of well really when I kind of finished playing Um I guess why I chose bodybuilding over strongman was was just the influences in my life, you know, as 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 a a kid and a teenager and then as a young adult as well. Um, you know, I mentioned I was always in awe of the aesthetic physiques. I don't ever remember being in awe of like a strong man, you know. So I never kind of had that external influence of, you know, I really kind of look up to that person. Whereas Someone like Arnold, I was like, man, that guy looks like, you know, some sort of Greek god, Um, (laughs) just an amazing physique. So I guess that really appealed to me. And then as well, um, my father, my dad was you know, never competed in bodybuilding, never, you know, never really did anything um, you know, seriously with bodybuilding, but he was always interested in in lifting weights to change the way his body looked as well. Yeah. And I remember, you know, as a 13, 14, 15 year old, you know, we would we would do exercises together, just like push-ups and sit-ups and skipping and and you know, stuff to to try and, you know, he was he was working on his aesthetics, I guess, at, yeah. at, at that yeah. point in time as what would he have been in his late late 30s at that point? So, you know, I guess it was that distant influence through the aesthetic physiques like Arnold and then the yeah. very close influence through my own father as well.
0: So, you've you mentioned uh, your father. So, yeah. he worked away a lot, didn't he? And then he yeah. went back and forth. So, obviously, working away and then coming back. So, you've seen the, the, the change in him. Was he coming back? Was he training when he was back? Or was he training when he was away and you've seen the change when he came back? or uh, yeah. Both. Was it both? Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, a bit of both. Good, good. So, during your first prep was back in, what did you say, 2000?
1: 2000... 2000, uh, 2004 was oh. the first prep.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, can you – I know it was a long time ago, but could you remember – what your, roughly what your training split probably looked like or your, you know, your macro intake probably back then was probably nothing compared to what it is like now. And Nowhere (laughs)
1: near. (laughs) Probably calories at this point. Just flicking through
0: your diary. What was happening on that day?
1: Yeah, you know what, man? I I remember my training split was very similar to the way it is now. You know, it was bro split. It was one muscle group per workout. The weaker Mm -hmm. muscle groups would get two workouts per week. Um, you know, it was, it was, I've always trained with bro split. I've, I've dabbled in, you know, push, pull legs. I've dabbled in, you know, different training regimes, but I always come back to bro split. And I remember specifically, so for my first ever prep, I had a coach. I don't use a coach anymore, but for my first ever prep, I had a coach and he was a former Mr. Australia bodybuilder, um, which is, you know, probably why he put me on the bro style split the bro style diet, you know yeah. the chicken and broccoli type diet yeah. that, that sort of you know that was the first prep the um you know in Australia here we eat kangaroo because it's quite a lean um we we eat our national emblem <laughs> but, <laughs> but a lean meat so I remember you know eating kangaroo and, and mashed potato well not mashed potato, but like mashed white potato yeah. um kangaroo sausages chicken uh, chicken and broccoli, chicken and rice, you know really. Bro, style. um yeah. crap. That first one was for sure.
0: Oof. I bet you. The, 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 so the split, obviously, obviously, you're saying is the same, but you know, the macro intake is going to be completely different. But what was the supplementation like? Because obviously, I know times moved on a hell of a lot mm-hmm. since then. But was yeah. your supplementation just basics, or yeah. you know, was, was yeah. it? I mean, most, most of more? the
1: stuff. Most of the stuff that we take for granted now just didn't exist back then. Yeah, you know, in the early 2000s. I think there was like two pre workouts, and they'll explode in Gaspari Super Pump 250. Like uh, the two pre workouts, <laughs> uh, you know, in, intra workout aminos at that point were very, very new. Mm. L- most people didn't understand them. Most people didn't understand intra workout carb- carbohydrate supplementation. There just wasn't. There wasn't the understanding, and therefore the availability of the products that there are on the market now. Like most of the stuff I take now didn't exist. 15 years ago yeah. it just wasn't an option if it was yeah sure i would have you know i would i would have utilized the tools but Absolutely, back yeah. then it just didn't exist
0: yeah so you know 100 percent on that i think a lot of people probably would have continued to to use what's available to them um and i think at that time you didn't have massive joes started up at that point was it
1: uh so yeah that was just before so i started massive joe's in 2005 yeah, yeah so i did my my first competition was like just before i started massive joe's yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and that was really i guess the catalyst for for starting the massive joe's business was you know i was using supplements that were available but I wanted to use better supplements. So I started, you know, looking at what was available, particularly in the U S at the time, importing yeah. them. Um, and then, you know, selling them to people that were training at the gym and then selling them to people that were training at the other gyms. And, <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm selling supplements out the back of my car to all of the gyms in, in Adelaide. It was you know, good times. Very simple. And, back and, that,
0: and, and that's the start of it all.
1: That's so, the beginning of it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so, you know, it really, it really started with the, uh, the competitive bodybuilding side was definitely their first mm. before the business
0: was. Yeah. So mm. when you're going through your preps, uh, whether yep. it be 12, 15, 18 week prep mm-hmm. with the lack of energy, do you, over time, do you find it still, do you find it hard to run your company or, um, you know, I know you've got a good team behind you. So do you leave a lot of the yeah. work to them now? Or
1: Yeah, I, it's funny Lee, because generally what I find is, Probably when I, when I'm in between say 12 and four weeks out. So that kind of two month, that kind of eight week period in there, I'm probably my most productive to be honest, because I know that I have limited energy resources. Um, My time resources are cut down as well, because at that point I'm doing quite a bit of cardio that soaks up another hour of my day. And, and I just know that that, period of time because when I get four weeks out it's it's all downhill from there yeah uh, so I think my, my productivity probably increases during that eight-week period from 12 week out 12 weeks out to four weeks out four weeks out to show day um I try and just make sure that my schedule has nothing important in it uh because it's it's touch and go man like yeah. the biggest thing for me at that point in you know in the last four weeks particularly is the the lack of sleep yeah. That's the thing that really gets me is I just, I can't sleep, you know, I can't get proper sleep at that point. Yeah. Too lean, too hungry, too exhausted. And your body just is not interested. No. <laughs> so, no that's I, the thing that, that really I, I me. I did
0: try, I tried um, a, like a 12 week transformation challenge. I don't know, massive Joes do the a transformation challenge, but. Yeah, um, massive Joes challenge. I, yeah. So, so I tried one with the, the local bodybuilding gym here in, in England and you know, getting down to that last two weeks, it was tough. It's, it's really hard. And, you know, yeah. I don't know how a lot yeah. of competitors out there, especially pro bodybuilders like yourself, you know, can continue mm-hmm. to do it time after time after time. And then if you've got shows going, you know, you've got a show next week and then you've got another show in two weeks and then three weeks, yeah. you know, that's yeah. got to be hard. It's, it takes so much toll on the body.
1: Yeah. You know, when you start backing preps up like that, you start back, sorry, you start backing um, like peak weeks up. Uh, and, and shows up like that, that's when it gets really, really tough. Um, you know, it's funny because when I, when I earned my pro card in 2017, I had four shows back to back to back to back. So yeah. I competed four weekends in a row. So yeah. I did you know, the last four weeks of the prep and then four peak weeks on top of that. As right. like by the time I got to the Oceania, which was the last show where I won the Oceania and the overall, and my pro card, I was like exhausted, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I this is, this is the most I've ever pushed my body. This is, you know, I always talk about, you know, trying to find the limit. That was the limit for me. <laughs> so,
0: so worth it. So worth that, it.
1: That it. Ended there.
0: Yeah. So that mm-hmm. was 2017. So just flip into that then. Yeah. What what was your, going through your cutting phase, what was the, your yeah. mental game like? Um, but how did you stay focused through all that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I find to be a, a great motivator and um, great for accountability in particular is knowing that you have a, a show date booked in. You mm. know, know that no matter what happens on the 28th of March, you're going to be standing on a stage in your board shorts or in your underwear or whatever it is against 40 other guys. And there's going to be judges judging you. And no matter what happens, you have to bring your a game on the 28th of March. So I find that, you know, and it's not surprising because it works with all goals across all areas of your life. When you have a solid deadline, you tend to, put up with certain levels of discomfort and you tend to push through certain levels of resistance because you know that that deadline is set and that deadline is solid so for me in particular you know when i get towards a a pointy end of a cut where it gets really really difficult that's something that i fall back on you know so when when I'm tempted to cheat on my diet or I'm tempted yeah. to skip cardio because I'm exhausted or I'm tempted to not give hundred percent in my workout because I don't have enough carbs to get a pump. And I just feel horrible. I always fall back on that. And it's like, you know what? There's three weeks left. You've got 50 cardio sessions and 15 workouts left. And, um, uh, at that point, a hundred meals, not a hundred meals, let's go, uh, 300 meals left. And every single one is counting down to the 28th of March deadline. Yeah. And no matter what happens, that is the deadline. So, are you, do you really want to skip this cardio? Do you really want to put it on your diet? Do you really want to not give 100% in this workout? Because you know on the 28th of March, it's going to show on stage. Absolutely. So, yeah, I find that, that that's a, a big driver of accountability that, that I personally use to get through those kind of difficult situations.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. As we've got Joseph Mentel on the show today, let's shoot him a free advert for his business, MassiveJoes.com. Drop a beat. So, over at MassiveJoes.com, you'll find all your supplement needs with big brands like Mauka Labs, Andreas Nutrition, First Form, MTS Nutrition, Ambrosia Collective, axon Sledge, Core Nutritionals, Ghost Lifestyle, Redcon One, and many more. Within these brands they sell amino acids, creatine, pre-workouts, fat burners, energy drinks, protein, greens, reds and nootropics. Also on their website they do their top 10 selling products, coming soon, new products and also monthly specials. Head over to massivejoes.com today. So we're in 2020 now, and um, over the course of your bodybuilding career, what's yep. been the biggest mistake that you've learned from, and why?
1: Um, I, I think probably consistently uh, is, is, and I've made this mistake a number of times, is not giving myself enough time hmm. to prep for a show. Um, you know, I, I think that you know we tend to to think that we can you know get ready for a show in 12 weeks or 15 weeks or 20 weeks or pick a number whatever it is and you at the start of the prep you kind of you're like you know i've got 20 weeks i've got 15 weeks i've got 12 weeks and before you know it you've got 8 weeks and then you've got 6 weeks and then you've got 4 weeks and you know i think that there's a tendency to kind of be a little bit behind the eight ball because you think you've got all the time in the world um and effectively the, you don't give yourself enough time um at the end of the day to get in the best shape that you need to get in. So you try and play catch up a little bit. And that's a mistake I've made on multiple occasions. So now, you know, I'll always give myself at least 20 weeks. That's the bare minimum is 20 weeks because yeah. the more time the better, right? The more time you have to correct mistakes, the more time you have to deal with little injuries that come up, because they always come up. Um, you know, the more time is is better always. And I always make sure that in that 20 weeks, as soon as I flip the switch, that is prep time, it's prep time, you know? So I'm thinking if I waste week 20 to 19, when I get two weeks out, I'm going to wish I had that week back.
0: Absolutely.
1: If If I waste week 12 to 11, when I get three weeks out from a show and I'm not in shape, I'm going to wish that I didn't waste that week. Mm. So, you know, that that's probably the biggest mistake and something that I that I can continue to learn from. Um, but something that I'm very aware of when I go into preps, for, you know, from now
0: moving forward. Yeah. Do you cheat on your diet regular?
1: <laughs> no, I no? used to when I was when I was an amateur. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when, I, when I was an amateur, I used to have a cheat meal every week uh, and then I turned pro and funny things happen when you are going <laughs> up against the best in the world. You go, well, you know what? I'm trying to find another level with my physique and yeah. I don't really need that cheat meal anymore. So, yeah. um, no, from now and when it's, you know, when it's 20 weeks out from a show, no cheat meals.
0: Happy days. So mm-hmm. talk to us about 2017. Big yeah. year for you. Mm-hmm. Full scoop of titles uh, yep. as well as your pro card. Yep. Talk us through that. What was it like? What was the feeling like?
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny, man, because I think but before I talk about twenty seventeen, I need to kind of revisit twenty sixteen. Okay. Because so what happened in in uh in twenty uh sorry, let me go back, you know what, let me go back to twenty fifteen. So right. twenty fifteen, and I think I messed this up when I told the story earlier on. So twenty fifteen mm-hmm. won the state title, went to the Australian Nationals and came um uh sorry, not the it, it was the nationals, but it was actually the amateur Olympia. Right. So uh 20 yeah 2015 won the state title went to the amateur olympia and i placed third at the amateur olympia and a lot of people at that time had me winning the amateur olympia it was very it was touch and go you know as it always is in the subjective sport so anyway so i go then the next year 2016 i win the state title again I go to nationals and I'm like, this is like, this is my year, man. Like I, you know, I, I placed third at the amateur Olympia, uh, which was a, which was a, an international competition. So people from all over the world and now it's the Australian nationals and I'm winning this nationals. I'm winning my pro card. So <clears throat> 2016, I go to the, uh, win the state title, go to nationals and then at nationals, I didn't even place. So I didn't place top three. I didn't place top five. I didn't place top 10. I did not even place.
0: That must have absolutely it, sucked.
1: Well, it, it, the reason why it really sucked is because in the callouts, I mm. was being called out and moved dead center. Like every single callout. I've still got the footage and I, I haven't watched it for a while, but I remember watching <laughs> it and I was like, Like, and you, you know, when you see enough bodybuilding shows that if they, you know, whoever they call out, they're looking for placings. Yeah. If you get pulled dead center, they're looking like you're, you're number one. That's effectively, as soon as you get pulled dead center, you're number one, they're comparing other people to you. So I finished the prejudging and I'm like, you know, this is my year. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm winning this show and I'm winning this pro card and then you know i remember being backstage and they're calling out the you know the top 10 the top five the top three and they didn't call my name and i was just like man like i i i I didn't know i was didn't know how to make sense of it yeah i was like this is ridiculous you know and it was such a huge step backwards to go from multiple state champion you know second at nationals 2014 third at the amateur olympia 2015 to not even placing 2016. Um, you know I was I was really it was really disheartening for me but got my shit together (laughs) went back 2017 and uh, you know it's funny because after everything that happened 2016 at nationals I went into 2017 with no pressure yeah because you know as I progressed through the sport there was a certain amount of pressure to to do well you know people were watching you you're kind of quote-unquote, next in line to get your pro card. And I went into 2017 with, with no pressure because I was like, well, what's the worst that can happen? It happened in 2016, you know? It actually was even place. So I was like, well, you know, like whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to enjoy this prep. I'm going to push myself as hard as I can possibly push myself and just see what happens. And so, um, yeah, so 2017, won the state title again. So that was the third time in a row. And then um, went to, uh, actually went to another federation and did their show. (laughs) And then um, went back to the nationals and won the national show. And at that point I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, and then the week later I went back to the Oceania, won the Oceania and then, you know, won, won my pro card. And I just remember, I'm so happy because I, I, I caught the moment on video. I had um, backstage with me, I had uh, Steve Mills, I had, had Neve there yeah. and I had Josh Blake there as well. Um, you know, two of two of my uh, closest friends and guys that used to work in the Massive Joe's business and they filmed the whole thing they filmed me coming off stage and you know they filmed me you know just the the they captured the the moment of just complete elation and complete bliss of of when that happened and it was it was such an amazing feeling for two reasons firstly because it was a goal that i'd set myself you know back in 2013 and i'd been working towards 2014 2015 2000 you know it was a five-year goal that i've been working towards and you know to finally achieve that goal was 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 such a huge accomplishment and i think secondly because i had no expectation yeah you know there was no pressure there was no expectation there was uh you know there was it 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 was almost like it was completely unexpected Uh, funnily enough it's kind of weird how that happens but you know, it was it was such an amazing feeling, um, you know, to finally earn that 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 status and and you know to finally say, you know, I am one of the best men's physique athletes, not just in the country but on the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was it was great. I get I still get like chills and shit talking
0: about it. So good, good. So. Sorry about that. Um, So moving on to 2018, what happened with the IFB Pro League? Mm -hmm. So how did that come involved with yourself? Because you mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. How did the the IFB Pro League, you know, contact you about promoting?
1: Yeah, so... It actually was the end of 2017, start of 2018, is the... IFBB, which is the International Federation of Bodybuilding and the IFBB Pro League, which is the pro level of the International Federation of Bodybuilding, had um, a falling out effectively. Mm -hmm. And so the amateur side of the IFBB and the pro side of the IFBB clashed heads and they decided to go in in different directions effectively. So I was the, you know, when I owned my pro status, I was the, the last Um, uh, round of people to earn their pro status through that structure where the IFBB Amateur League and the IFBB Pro League were connected. And they decided to to split apart. And so the IFBB Pro League um, started setting up the amateur side of the IFBB Pro League in all of the different countries around the world. In the US, they already have it. It's called the MPC. Um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners and the viewers who are interested in bodybuilding have heard of that. So the MPC yeah. kind of feeds into the IFBB Pro League. Okay. In every other country around the world, the IFBB Amateur League feeds into the IFBB Pro League. Yeah. And so the IFBB Pro League, you know, decided to go in different direction to the IFBB Amateur League and set up their own amateur league to feed into the Pro League in every country apart from the US. And so what they set up in Australia was the IFBB Pro League Australia, what they call the IFBB Pro League Oz. Um, and there will be a name change soon, but they just wanted to kind of carry that through for congruency, I guess. Yeah. And I was given the opportunity to um, become a promoter for the IFBB Pro League in South Australia um our national president is a man um, by the name of tony doldy yep. very well known in bodybuilding circles around the world and so he runs the IFBB pro league australia nationally and um i'm business partners with him in south australia for running the IFBB pro league amateur in south
0: australia so that, that yeah so that's so with that role what what, yeah. what would you do how would you help them promote it or so I, shows run the shows. Stuff? I run
1: the shows. I run the shows. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I run the shows. We all. You know, my massive Joe's my company. We organize the shows from the ground up. So we're picking the venues. We're running the backstage. I personally MC the shows. Um, right. We do everything for the athletes. We do all the posing workshops. So we, you know, we effectively run the IFBB Pro League uh, here in South Australia.
0: Cool. Cool. That's yeah. something, something different, isn't it, than just continuing along the bodybuilding route and just move on to a different, you know, promotion part on the, the new, yeah. The new yeah, stage. Yeah, it's
1: cool. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Good, it's, good. It's, it's my, my little way of kind of giving back to the sport that's given me so much.
0: Yeah. So mm. moving forward onto 2019, Yeah. your prep mm-hmm. of now then COVID hit, you yeah. know, it was a week before the show, they shut it down. Yeah. A week yeah. before, I mean, I, I seen yeah. it on your social media and I was like, oh my, yeah. Dave, <laughs> couldn't believe it. I, mean, I felt really bad for you. Yeah. I, I just couldn't yeah. believe it.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it, it's funny, Lee, because, so I turned pro at the end of 2017, right? So the, the show was uh, the last weekend in October, 2017. And so then I decided to take 2018 off to to grow my physique, because going from the amateur, you know, to be, being the top amateur, to being the bottom pro is a Mm. massive step. And so I know I, you know, I knew that I needed at least a full year of off season. You got to remember, I'd be competing back to back to back for five years to earn my pro status. So I'd never really given myself a proper off season to grow and, and really make substantial changes to my physique. So 2018, I took off intentionally to, to develop my physique. 2019, I started my prep at the start of the year and I was going to make my pro debut in California. So I was going to do the San Jose pro. Yep. Then I was going to fly out to the Midwest and do the Chicago pro. Then I was going to fly out to Canada and do the Vancouver pro and then hopefully qualify, get enough points to qualify for the Olympia and do the Olympia in September. So 2019 was going to be my pro debut year. That was my yeah. shit, man. I was going in. Um, and so I started my I started my prep, and um, my uh, marriage broke down. Um, right. Not as a, not as a not as a result of the prep, obviously. There's a whole bunch of issues, but uh, you know, obviously, that was more important to me to to deal with uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything that comes along with you know the the breakdown of a marriage. Yeah. So I put the prep on ice. I was like, you know, I thought 2019 was going to be my year. It's not going to be my year, so I kind of put it on ice all good, dealt with everything that I needed to deal with in my personal life and, and you know, um, got some stability back there. And then at the end of 2019, I um, got invited to compete at the very first Men's Physique Pro Show at the Arnold Classic Australia. And I was like, cool. Let's do it. This is, you know, this is, this is cool. Maybe this is, maybe this is what it was meant to be. Maybe perhaps, you know, I was meant to make my pro debut on home soil in Australia in the very first ever men's physique pro show on Australian soil. But I started my prep um, at the end of 2019, went all the way through to prep. The show was uh, the third weekend in March was the, the date of the show. And so (laughs) I get to, um, the show was Saturday. So I get to the Sunday before the show. So I've started my peak week. I'm one day into peak week. And this is when all the shit starts going crazy with COVID, right? This is when, you know, they start putting restrictions in place. You can't have more than a thousand people at an event. And then the next day, you can't have more than 500 people at, at an event. The next day, you can't have more than 50 people at an event. And then after that, all events are canceled. And then a week after that, the whole country is going into lockdown, all the borders are and it just completely escalated. So I went from the Sunday before the Saturday that I was going to compete. I got one week into peak week and I got a call from Tony Doherty, who's the promoter um, for the Arnold Classic here in Australia. And he said, Joe, I got some bad news. The show is not going ahead. Um, We decided to pull the pin. We, We can't run this pro show. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> completely devastated, man. Yeah, that- because not only had I, that was a, that, that was, that prep was a 26 week prep. So I'd been prepping for six months to get six days out and then be told that I was not going to be able to compete. And then the bad thing was they shut all the borders. So I couldn't even go to the US and do yeah. a show or go to another country. And it was like that was the end of the line. 26 weeks of prep to get six days out and not be able to make my pro debut on the back of pulling out of my pro debut in 2019, because I had issues in my personal life yeah. that I had to deal with. Yep. So I was just like, well, this is the universe saying it's not meant to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so so here we are three years after I own my pro card and I'm still waiting to make my pro debut, but it'll happen.
0: It'll so happen. how long does a pro card last before it expires?
1: Doesn't forever.
0: All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't sure whether it had expiration dates
1: on it or not. No. Hey man, I'd love to go back into the amateurs just to be able to compete because the problem, the problem at the moment is Lee. So as an Australian here in Australia, the only pro show we have is the Arnold classic men's physique pro show. That's it. There's not going to be an Arnold classic for the foreseeable future. It's not going to happen. So there are no men's physique pro shows that I can compete in, in my home country. Right. But I also can't travel outside of my home country. Yeah. Right. I can't travel to the U S because they won't let me back into Australia while, yep. COVID, while the pandemic's on. So actually, I don't have a show to compete in at the moment. Even if I want to start another prep and go and compete in the show, I can't compete in the show. There isn't one that I can do so i'm kind of you know stuck at the moment that's why i said if you want me to go back into the amateur league at least i, yeah. I can do a prep and i can yeah, actually absolutely
0: yeah if you had something to look forward to so you just looking yeah, at the business it. and the scope of what's going forward so yeah. yeah what what's what's it looking like now for for yourself um as a pro bodybuilder what's what's next on the agenda for you
1: yeah, so man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of treating it as, as a big off season at the moment. So, okay. you know, I'm continuing to work on my, my weak muscle groups, my chest in particular. Um, you know, my back width, my arms, bring those back, bring those up into proportion with the rest of my physique. I'm trying to stay in really good shape, so I'm trying not to get too fat um, yep. because I don't know when the next prep is. You know, when I'm going to need to start the next prep and yeah, and absolutely. But, you know, the, the thing is, man, is I've always looked at bodybuilding as a, as a marathon, not a sprint. You know, yep. one of these things is, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a 100 meter or a 200 meter race. It's, a, you know, 42 kilometer race. It's a very long journey. And I've always considered bodybuilding that. So for, you know, from my timeline, I know physically I've got, 10 to 15 years of being a pro level athlete before my body starts, you know, before old age kicks in or middle age kicks in and the body's not able to do what you want it to do um, to reach that level of performance. So I look at it like I've got 10 to 15 years left. This pandemic is not going to last for 10 to 15 years. So, you know, I need to take good care of my body. I need to take care of my prehab. I need to stay in good shape. I need to keep developing my physique and my time will come
0: it sounds like you're in a good place going forward now then uh yeah, like you I said you know we're keep yeah. keeping your eye on your weights, keeping your eye on yeah. on everything going forward and hopefully the next yeah. show will come along sometime soon yeah. so uh, yeah you know all, uh, the best of luck with all, all the next shows and and stuff like that um and your preps Thank and you. stuff and i'm sure people on social media that do follow you will will get all that knowledge yeah. coming yeah, across yeah but um so just a few more questions before we move on to a, what I want to call a quick fire round. I'm, I'm hoping, sure. hoping that I'm going to be able to hit everybody else that's going to come on the podcast with the similar sort of questions. Yeah. So you probably have to get Leah involved in this. So one okay. of the guys that I know that follows you guys is asking, yeah. when's the next TMJ basketball jersey coming out?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I actually spoke to Leah about this earlier this week. I was like, Leah, what's going on here? <laughs> you know because Leah she, she's the head designer for Team J Apparel but she actually also runs all of our retail stores yep. um, and retail stores with the pandemic have been you know we closed all of our retail stores and now we're just starting to open them back up so there's a lot of work that needs to be done there so she's kind of had her time split between the two at the moment yep. but it is well and truly in her line of sight at the moment so she's, uh, she's you know working on it behind the scenes
0: Cool. Cool. So what's just out of curiosity, what's the next lot of uh, apparel that's coming out?
1: Um, so got, I know that on the
0: page, on your website, you've got coming soon. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a bunch of stuff launching end of October, start of November. So we've got some new guys stuff coming. We've got some new girls stuff coming um, primarily like spring summer focus because in Australia it's, spring at the moment and we're heading into summer in, in, uh, in, in November and December. Um, so you see, you know, more singlets, more t-shirts, more shorts for the ladies, more bras, um, more training shorts, more tights coming out. So, you know, we're just trying to uh, continuously kind of take it to the next level with, with TMJ Powell in terms of the designs and the quality and, you yeah. know, the, the products that we're producing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've got quite a bit of TMJ apparel. I've got vests, that. I've got stringers, I've got t-shirts, I've got shorts. Yeah. I love it. I think it's it's great, great material, great fit. Um, yeah. can't, can't speak highly enough about it. A lot of my friends Thank have you. got it. So just moving away from uh, Massive Joes at, um, and the TMJ apparel for for the next question. Yeah. So would you move, this is a question from me that I thought about the other day, but would you ever make the move to go and coach maybe a team's basketball team? Or little league yeah, team or like I
1: don't that. think so, man. It's very, you know, what it's it's really difficult for me, Lee, to to be involved in basketball because it was such a big part of my life, yeah, for most of my childhood and and all of my teenage years. And I have such deep seated emotions with basketball. And when I, you know, I like I, I don't even really watch it anymore because, uh, you know, it's it's. It still really kind of hits my heartstrings <laughs> to be completely honest. It's very difficult for me because I just want to play, you know, yeah. I just want to play. And then I get upset because of the injuries that kind of ended anything I could do with basketball. And, you know, it is what it is. It's life. Uh, right?
0: I, I see you've got a, is it a half court, NBA half court in the, in the we world? Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> of, course, of course. Crazy. So, um, So, yeah, another question that I've I've been dying to ask is, Mm -hmm. you've trained with some of the biggest bodybuilders over time, you know, the biggest, baddest, fittest, you know, bodybuilders, and the likes of Ronnie Coleman, Steve Cook, Flex Mm -hmm. Lewis, C.T. Fletcher, Rich Piana, you know, Doug Miller, Mark Lobline, so many on the the cards that you've you've trained with. Mm -hmm. Who would make your top three? There's probably people that I don't know of that you've trained with, but who would make your top three?
1: All right, I'd have to go. Number one would be Kai Green. Okay, uh,
0: yeah.
1: I, I I the the back workout that I did with Kai Green in uh, Brooklyn in New York hmm. was it's on the Massive Joe's YouTube channel. If you yeah. Google Massive Joe's Kai Green back workout, it'll come up. Um, uh, <laughs> words cannot describe uh how ridiculously intense that back workout. I like I still think about it now and I'm like, I can't believe I survived that. Um, so definitely Kai Green would be number one, probably number two would be Doug Miller. Um, Doug just trains, you know, with a level of intensity that, especially from a natural bodybuilder is just very, very rare. Um, and he, you know, he trains very intelligently as well. So I'd probably put Doug as number two and I, I, you know, it's going to (laughs) be, it's going to be difficult to not put Ronnie Coleman in the top three. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I got to put, I have very fond memories. You know, I've trained with Ron a bunch of times, you know, I've trained with him here in Australia. I've trained with him in the U S I've, tra- I trained in his personal home gym yeah, in, uh, in his house in Texas. So I've trained with Ron a bunch of times. I've trained with him in Metroflex in Texas and um, you know, and, and just, yeah. yeah. You don't train with the greatest bodybuilder of all time and not put that in your top three. let Let's just let's No, you just
0: definitely don't. Definitely don't. Yeah. So I want to move on to a quick fire round if, mm-hmm. you, if you're up for it. Um, sure, let's do it. So I think there is seven questions. And I think the last question, it's a choice of five people. I think I've got three out of five nailed down for you that yeah. I know that you're going to pick. Know right. who the other two are. Uh, my wife right, has given me an answer for one of them, and I don't think yeah. it's that, but we'll see. So, last played mm-hmm. song on your phone,
1: <laughs> I'm allowed to look right. <laughs> yes. that's part of, that's part of it. You know, I was playing <laughs> the truth is, right? When we dialed into this Zoom, I was playing a song, right? Yeah, so, that's gonna be the song that I uh, all right, hold on, how do I get it?
0: Turn into a slow fire around this.
1: Okay, no, Ambition. <laughs> ambition by Wiley, Mick Mill, and Rick Ross.
0: Nice. There nice. you go. Good tune. So, uh, bacon sandwich. Do you like red or brown sauce?
1: What's a sandwich?
0: <laughs> a butty. I don't know what you call it in Australia.
1: What's, uh, what sort of
0: sandwich is it? Bread, bacon.
1: Okay. Uh, And what sauces? What are the options?
0: Red or brown. So tomato sauce, brown sauce. I don't don't even know what's in brown sauce, but it's nice.
1: (laughs) You've probably got some spicy sauce, probably. Is it like
0: barbecue sauce? Uh, Similar, but I think there's a bit more fruit in it.
1: Yeah, I'll go that one. I'll go the brown sauce. I really like tomato sauce, to be honest.
0: Brown sauce is quality. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, last meal that you've eaten?
1: Uh, Just before I came into this podcast, I had a meal. It was a chicken salad with uh, teriyaki sauce and rice cakes.
0: Ooh, I'm not eating yet, so that's very,
1: <laughs> <laughs> very bro style meal, but yeah, that was my last meal. uh
0: last book that you
1: read? Uh, finished or because I'm reading a book at the moment.
0: But either. Does that count? Either. Which one What
1: I'm reading at the moment is High Performance Habits by okay. Brendan Burchard or Burkhard, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, the book I read before that was ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday.
0: Right. I'll have to note them two down. Mm.
1: Them go. They're, both, they're both brilliant. Both I'll really give them them a go. Mm.
0: So, uh, I know you don't do much about the, uh, idiot box as you call it. So mm-hmm. what, is there anything that you binge watching at the
1: minute? Uh, <laughs> Hey man, I'll be honest. Right. So my, 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 uh, partner, has decided that she wants to re-watch Gossip Girl. So she watched
0: <laughs> I've a not seen it, story, no. right?
1: So she so she watched Gossip Girl when she was like a teenager and she's decided well, teenager early twenties, and she's decided that she wants to rewatch it. So now I've been put into re-watching Gossip Girl with her. So Oh no.
0: No good. I thought it would have been like, yeah. you know, a, a sports documentary, you know, a series. I know that's what well, you know, I mean.
1: If I had it my way.
0: Yeah. Oh. So, last question. Uh, I think, like I said, I've got three of them out of the five nailed down. Yeah. So, it's your last supper. You're allowed five yeah. guests dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Who would you pick and why?
1: These two gentlemen right here. All
0: right, this okay. This is Ali. Okay. This is Michael Gordon. Yep.
1: Um, I would go Sir Richard Branson. Okay. As number three. I would go Steve Jobs okay. as number four. And really put me on the spot here. <laughs> I'll throw I'll throw one for for the UK listeners. I'll go Winston Churchill. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. that's a good one. So I added yeah. nail down for Michael Jordan, Steve yeah. Jobs, yeah. uh Richard Branson. And my mm-hmm. wife said Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I said no, no.
1: Well, because I've already met Arnold, so that's, what, I that's exactly I what I said to my wife. So, yeah. I, you know, like I'd, i I'd rather, I'd rather have dinner with people who I've never met before and probably would never have a chance to meet otherwise. So, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So that, that, that's exactly what I said to my wife. I was like, no, it won't be Arnold. He's met him a number of times. Yeah. They've had conversations. Yeah. You know, There's yeah. probably not much left to say at the, the dinner table.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, Anyway, thank you very much, Joe. Thank uh, you, Lee. Before we go, uh, just for the viewers and the listeners, uh, just yeah. want to throw any of your handles out there where they can find you.
1: Yeah, sure. So, I, you know, the best place is uh, probably Instagram. That's where mm-hmm. I'm the most active at the moment. I use a whole bunch of social media, but Instagram is, you know, my, my go-to. Uh, and the handle is my name, at Joseph Mencel, J-O-S-E-P-H-M-E-N-C-E-L um and if you google joseph mensell or if you google massive joes there's yeah everything will come up so that's the best place
0: yeah i'll put it all in the uh in the the details at the bottom anyway but um i'm sure people that know you hopefully they'll pass all the information on to the friends like i do uh hit you up on instagram snapchat whatever else um just like everybody else does especially me as a big fan so Thank thank you very much joe and i'm sure we'll catch up for another episode soon Absolutely. Thank you, Lee. Cheers, right, see you soon. Thank you.